aspects of it, and it's it's uh, it's just great. So um, this not this Wednesday night, but the following Wednesday night, the 31st, we're having our annual business meeting. We would like to invite everybody to be here. The uh, if you're a voting member, we would strongly urge you to be here because this is kind of why you became a voting member. Uh, this is the this is the big voting member meeting that we have every year. So we would like you to be here. It's, uh, we'll go over a lot of stuff, all the, the finances, who we are, what, we, what we've accomplished, what we're trying to do, all that kind of stuff. So we'll talk about the building probably quite a bit because we should have, um, we should have quite a bit more information than we've been, I haven't been sharing everything over the last few weeks just because it, it gets uh, muddy, but, but I think we'll be a lot closer to knowing big picture stuff, all of the, and hopefully, hopefully by then we'll have a building permit by the, from the city. Um, it's not looking good, <laughs> but because it's the city, but that, that's, um, we'll just let you know. That. So if you, if you want to be here and you're not a member, we still want you here. We want everybody, uh, we, we don't focus as much here on voting membership. Uh, that's really the heart of the person. You become a member because you want to, not because we try to do that. Um, that's like make you or whatever. That's not how we look at it. And so we have notebooks out uh, on the table out there that if you're a member, it has your name on it. If not, there's some blank ones. We want you to take it because you can go over all the stuff and peruse or whatever you need to, to know. Um, and yes, you're allowed, even if you're not a voting member, you're allowed to ask questions and things during a business meeting. Uh, we, will, we will recognize every time somebody that's not a member says something, we say, okay, non-member. <laughs> no, we don't do that. <laughs> okay, um, I, I did want to mention also these are the these are the things that that they seem innocuous. They'll be a little small thing that starts along the way, and but I think these are actually bigger things because it, it shows us the uh, where our country's going. It shows us kind of the state of what's going on. Uh, California just brought before their their um, state uh, a new bill, and this bill is it, it hasn't been voted on yet, but this bill will. The language of it says that it's for the police department, and it says that any police any police person that has that they that the state can prove has issues with hate, or that they are involved in any kind of hate group, that they can be removed uh, as a police officer in that in the state of California. And I say, well, what does that matter? Because right now the the country. Is, I'm saying the leadership, not the people of the country per se, but the leadership of the country right now is trying to say anybody that is not uh, bought in completely with the whole idea of abortion or LGBT or anything, that those are, those are people full of hate. And that those groups, like churches that believe that, uh, would be considered hate groups in our country today. Uh, this is when the National Guard came to the Capitol Hill to protect the Capitol Hill from um, all of us. Uh, it, they, they interviewed many of the National Guardsmen, and any of them that had a strong conservative mindset were dismissed and sent home. That's the same concept, but they're going to be doing it with police officers in California if this gets voted in. And guys, this is just the, this is just the toe-in-the-water kind of mentality that is, that is spreading across our country right now. That that um, the the what I mentioned a couple weeks ago about the uh, about the church groups, the leadership of our church groups of many across America, that are saying if you are if if you believe in uh, if you stand against abortion and you stand against LGBT mindset, you, you understand when I say that we don't stand against any person. 
that's, that's involved in the LGBT stuff. We're standing against that mindset. That's, that's something that is, that Satan, that's demonic. Satan has done that to try to destroy people and, and made it mainstream so that he can be more powerful in that. And these groups that are saying that if the church keeps going down that road, that, that the people that still believe those things, that, that LGBT is, is a sin and it's something that is hurting people or abortion is a sin and it's murdering babies, that they should be pushed out of the church. I read that a couple weeks ago. Uh, you can go look that up online. But this is now California is saying we're going to take cops out of the force if they believe something simple like abortion is murdering a baby. That's why the law is being written the way that it is being written. You can look that up. You can uh, check on it yourself. This is, this is moving across our country right now. And so in, in thinking about that, I've been processing this quite a bit with everything that, with, with you know, this... Um, I've been saying we need to pray for justice and truth. We've got to keep praying for that. But I think it's important that we also recognize there's two things. There's two things that uh, the church has got to keep in mind. And I'm talking about you know the, the true body of Christ. Is no matter what everybody says, there can be parts of the church that say no, abortion is good, and um, and if you believe you're bad, they can say that. But that doesn't mean and and that's a that's as divisive as you can get. That is. That is what I've been saying about the church is, is separating. The church is separating into two groups, the real church and this other thing. Um, you, you still have to stand for what is truth, regardless of who's saying the opposite or how they're doing it, even if it's in your own ranks, even if it's in the church that you're part of, even if it's in um, the, the, your own family. We'll look at that here in Scripture. You've got to stand for what's truth. You can't compromise because of of somebody that you uh, uh, respect or admire stands up and says something that's ungodly and says we've got to go that direction. So you've got to always be balancing that out. But I think one of the things that we have to keep in mind when doing this is when we're praying for justice and we're praying for truth to rise to the surface, when we're praying for God to have his will and to, and to uh, illuminate this, that you understand according to Scripture, he always starts in the church when he does that. He doesn't start out there wherever out there might be. He always starts within the hearts and the minds of people. When, in um, in uh, Zechariah, when, God, when uh, the, God sends the prophet and he tells the prophet, go through, uh, go through the city and look for people that, that uh, are appalled by sin and put my mark on their forehead. Then he says, start in the temple when you do this. And so it's important that we make sure that our minds and our hearts and our spirits are right with God through all the stuff that's going on. Because when God brings justice, he doesn't just do it for the people that we think are the bad guys. Are, are you, you following me? When he brings justice, he brings justice. It's across the board. When he, pulls, when he lays his righteousness out, that, that we have the opportunity to see the, his grace, his mercy, his holiness, all this stuff, then we are accountable for all those things. And so we have to make sure that who we are, that our, our, most of our attention, what I'm saying, most of our attention needs to be on us not on uh, everybody else. Now, there are still things that we have got to be doing as a church. We've got to stand. I'm saying in the public forum. We've got to be standing politically. We've got to just, I, I, I get so confused by this when people talk about we shouldn't be, um, we shouldn't, the, the church shouldn't be involved in politics. I, I, I'm going to talk about the light of, of the Lord here, that we're supposed to be a light. We're not hiding. How do you take part of that light and carve it off and send it somewhere else? That, that makes no sense to me. Politics is us. It's part of our existence. It's our country. 
We're supposed to serve God in some quiet little corner, but don't ever do anything about the people that are ruling over us. We, we crawl over in a corner and serve God in some, some quiet little corner, but don't you dare um, reveal problems that are going on in our society. Don't, that, that makes no sense. That, that, it's almost like we're supposed to be, as Christians, we're supposed to be schizophrenic. We've got this whole little area that's our Christianity, but then this is the real world, and we can't do that. And in reality, it's, it is our world. It is our existence. And so I want to go to, to Mark chapter 4. And, um, and, and, and these three parts of Scripture, Mark, Luke, and Matthew that I'm reading, they're, they're all the same uh, moment in, in time. They're all the same thing that's being talked about. They're all the same um, story, right? But Jesus focuses on different angles of this as we're going along. I mean, uh, the writers, not Jesus. Jesus says the stuff. And the writers that are standing there, and, and Luke, who was not standing there, but he heard about it, they, they're focusing on different parts of the story and who's there and who's gathered around. And it's interesting to me how the four Gospels do this in a, in a cool way, is you get different aspects of the exact same moment from different perspectives. And obviously the Holy Spirit's the one who's doing this to make sure that we know um, uh, all that we're supposed to know with this. And so in, in thinking about this in the first one, taking the responsibility for the kingdom of God, that's, that's all I've been talking about lately. How do, we take, how do I personally take responsibility for the kingdom of God, not assuming somebody else is going to. Again, the church has been too much of a spectator for a long time. We have, we have fostered this so badly in the church that, that, you, that most of the church are spectators in America, and we're not the church, we're not the doers. And, and there's, there's not actually a place in Scripture for that. We, we've created a whole uh, niche, if you'd say, that, that doesn't exist. This nominal something or another that I can just kind of show up to church every now and then, and that's good. Guys, we're, we're created by God to be doing. We're created by God to be ministering. You have certain gifts and abilities that are just unique for you. You've got to be doing, using this stuff. And so in Mark chapter 4, we see that Jesus asked them, would anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket or under a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine. The, 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 the idea of light God created light. Remember going back to Genesis, God created light, and he created it a couple days before the sun. So sun is not the existence, the origination of light. The Lord is the origination of light. And then in, in the end times, in, in, uh, in eternity, uh, the Lord does away with the sun, but the light's still there because the light's Jesus. Okay? So this light, this idea of light, light was designed to accomplish something very specific. It is, it literally is how we see, it's how we, it's how things are illuminated. The, the idea that somehow light could be used for something else doesn't quite make sense. Now, now we, we know that, and when Jesus uses the example of light, we kind of can put the, the we can kind of bridge that gap a little bit, but we don't really strongly process the idea that if we're light, and Jesus has called us to be light to the darkness, we, we can't really be doing something else and be fulfilling who we are supposed to be. We can't be. If we are trying to be darkness, which the first part of John talks about that, 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 that sin, that, that uh, sin tries, and people that are involved in sin are trying to find the darkness. And we know what that looks like. Every one of us in here, we've experienced that in our own personal lives. Times when we, could, we, we have chased darkness and we tried to be in the dark. 
Well, the problem is, is God created us to be light. And we're trying to, to shut down how God designed us and be who Satan wants us to be in Satan's image rather than God's image. And that's why even coming back to the politics thing. Politics, it's, it's, it's part of everything. There is, no, there is no such thing as any society not having politics ingrained within every level. Right? It's part of it. So the idea that I could just carve that part of the light off and set it over in a nice little basket and not talk about that stuff, that doesn't make sense. Right? Now, obviously, when I'm, when I'm doing this from the pulpit, I'm going to be talking about stuff that has to do with our spiritual walk. Why? Because God has created us to be light. And we've got to be that. And we've got to figure out how to fight against anything else that is going to hinder us from being the light that God has called us to be. Guys, there are people that need you every single day, need you to be light. And if you are quiet about who Jesus is and you're not going there, and you're not interacting with the, the reality of Jesus, then they're potentially missing out on them also being the light that God has created them to be. That's why it's such a big deal. It's our responsibility. He says, a lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine. For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought out into the open. And every secret will be brought to light. Now, here's, if I read that right now in our context today, we automatically shift to a lot of the stuff that's going on in our country, right? It's our natural, then our minds are going that way. Everything will be brought to light. And it's true. It doesn't, it's not, um, this is not specific to any setting or whatever. When the Lord says that everything will be brought to light, it means everything on every level in any setting, in any circumstance, okay? So that means our government. Now, we have the ability to look backwards and look at the end of the Roman Empire, the collapse of the Roman Empire, and everything that our country is doing right now, the Roman Empire did, okay? The political corruption was, was the same way in the Roman Empire. The, the sexual perversion was the same way. We think we created LGBT mentalities. We didn't. And neither did the Romans. The Romans just got there. Just like every other society gets there when they stop listening to God or following God. And they did the exact same thing. And, and those two things, the, the, the sexual perversion and the political corruption brought down the Roman Empire. And we are we're doing the exact same thing in our country. Exactly. Almost like verbatim in our country. And here's the thing. We think to ourselves, okay, well, everything will be revealed. And that's true. Looking back, we see that everything was revealed in the context of the Roman Empire. We know that. We can look back now and see all the things that they were doing and the corruption and all the different stuff. And, and, and most people in our country right now can see that going on in our country. And I'll get back to that in a second. But here's, here's what we have to keep in mind, is God going to reveal everything that's going on in our country right now? Is he going to bring it to light? Yes, he is. It may not happen the way I think it should or in the timings that I think it should, but he will do this. And here's part of the reason that I feel very strongly that the Lord is not going to do it exactly like I think it should happen. Because I would keep myself out of that revelation. I don't want, I want God to illuminate all of the corruption in Washington, D.C., not in my heart. I want him to reveal all the stuff that's going on um, with, with child trafficking in Hollywood and D.C. and all this stuff, but I don't want him to, to open up my heart and reveal that. I want him to reveal all of the brokenness of the perversion of our country, the LGBT mentality, and, and, and just show what truth really is. But I don't want him to do that in my heart. And I definitely don't want him to do any of that in my heart in front of you, 
right? Some of you are like, I wouldn't mind seeing it. No, that's not, it's not up for a vote. <laughs> but but he, here's the reality, guys. This is, why, this is why this is so important. When Jesus begins to bring justice, he brings it everywhere, and that includes you. Things that maybe we're thinking or involved in or doing that are, that are harming justice instead of helping justice. The, the idea of what the Lord really wants to do in my heart and your heart right now is that he wants to bring his righteousness and his holiness, and he wants to chase out the sin, and he wants to get rid of all the junk, things that we think we can hide, all of the, the things we've covered up or, 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 or just forgotten about purposefully, right? This is going back to the forgiveness. There, there, every one of us in here need to work on the mentality of forgiveness, forgiving, being forgiven, all these different things. But, but what happens is, is we point at others with all that stuff. Everything that happens, we point at others. It's normal, it's natural, it doesn't make us bad people, it just makes us broken people. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. So he does want to do this, he wants to, all this to happen. And here's how I know that he's talking to the church first. In verse 23, anyone who has ears to hear should listen and understand. And then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given and you will receive even more. In other words, you already have some understanding. That means he's talking to people that have already been listening, already been paying attention to what the Lord has said. At some point, that, that, that graduates into, I'm a Christian somewhere. There's a decision made there. So he's talking to people, I believe, that are already looking in the, in the Bible, maybe even serving God already. And then he says that if you will pay attention and the more you listen, you're going to be given more information. You're going to be given more knowledge. Now, that doesn't mean that you're closer to the Lord. It doesn't mean that you have a deeper relationship. It just means that you are, are been given knowledge. There's a lot of people that have great knowledge of God and great knowledge of his scripture, but are not Christians. This is the, the, the first time this really hit home to me. I mean, I kind of known it all my life, but I was, uh, I was in seminary, and this professor in seminary had two degrees, two doctorates. I'm sorry, not just degrees. Two doctorates in theology, two, two, two different um, disciplines. And, uh, and he was talking in a class one time about how he's not even sure that God's alive or that God's real. He thinks that might have been a creation of, of our minds. I'm like, that's why, that's why seminary gets nicknamed cemetery. I had people all the time when I was going, oh, are you going to cemetery? <laughs> but really, people are kind of correct about this. Guys, knowledge alone doesn't do it for you. And knowledge has to go from knowledge into spiritual understanding. And he says, the more you want this, you'll get more if you desire. But here's, here's, the, here's the other side of this. He said, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even with little understanding, see the difference between listening and understanding? Information coming in and going into their heart as, as reality? We can hear a lot of stuff. But going into, I, I was thinking about this this week. My granddaughter and grandson were with us this week. And my granddaughter is a, a live wire all the time. She never slows down. She almost killed me this week. <laughs> but a couple of times I'm like, Linda, I can't. You have to. I gotta. I gotta lay down for a little bit. You know. But she's one afternoon we were hanging out and um, we're playing games and doing stuff and whatever. And so she wanted her brother's attention, who's nine months old. 
We call him Bubby. And she, for an hour and a half, nonstop, Bubby, 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 Bubby. He never looked at her. He, never, he walked over to me. I picked him up. He looked at me. One time he kind of glanced toward her and then looked back at me. <laughs> Bubby, 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 Bubby. You know, there's a difference between your ears hearing something and doing something about it. There's a difference between listening and, and what we use, the terminology we use in John 3.16 where it says that whoever believes in Jesus Christ, that's not cognitive. That's spiritual. Whoever lets that get into your soul and into your spirit and you believe. You believe with your life. You believe with your actions. You believe with your existence, not just I understood some information. And this is what he's saying. You can understand, and that understanding will be given, but, Eve, but, if, you, but if you're not listening, even what little understanding that they have will be taken away from them. And this is what I'm seeing happen, at least from my perspective, this is what I'm seeing happen. Strong leaders throughout the Christian world that are starting to move over to abortion is okay. They have the knowledge. It's in their head, but somewhere it's being, it's being um, taken out of their spirit. And it becomes cognitive information that they're no longer acting upon, and they're going a different direction with it. Your understanding will be taken away. Because why? Because there's not a submission and a surrender to God. It's, his, it's him that's the, the important. It's not what we think or our denomination or our church or whatever. It's, it's Jesus, and it's whether we submit to him and surrender to him. That's the focus. That's the key. It's not all the other stuff. And we can say whatever. That doesn't change God. And the more that we see where the church is moving away from God, you just got to stay in Scripture. You got to stay there and you got to be asking the Lord for understanding. You got to be talking to Him. God, I need you. I've got to have you. I can't go wherever everybody else is going. I got to stay with you. Guys, that's why it's important, all the information that we're receiving. And I don't mean like news information, although that's part of it. But everything that's coming in, relationships that we have, conversations, uh, movies, things like that, any information that's coming in, it is setting up who you are. It is setting, it is setting your mindset. It's changing your worldview. If you're not careful, I mean, potentially you can stay strong. But how much, how much can you be bombarded by all the junk before it begins to change you? That's why I have to stay. What is, our, what is the most important thing that we should be looking at and studying every single day? The Bible. Read the books. Read the stuff. They're all good. They're all important. But study the Bible because that's life. And everything else, everything else is secondary. It doesn't come even close to that. Stay with God's Word. The, the, the first thing is that God is, God is the creator of our existence. Now, this is, I think this is important to make sure that we keep the, the right balance. I don't mean that God is just the creator of the planet. Okay, he, he is that. And that God is the creator of us. He is that. And God is the creator of the air we breathe. He is that. But I think sometimes it's important for us to understand that God is the creator of the existence that I'm in. The, the bubble that I live in. My area, my paradigm. My, God is the creator of this. And so what we have to do is make sure that what I'm doing propagates him and builds his kingdom rather than begins to separate me in the middle of this existence. Okay, my, I, my, my existence, even though God created uh, Russia, my existence isn't Russia. My existence is here. 
God created New Jersey, but I'm not in New Jersey. Thank you, Jesus. I am right here, and this is my sin. So, so I don't know how to verbalize this as, as, as solid as I want, but the, the, not just what, who I am and where I'm living, but, but my existence, God created all the elements of that. Okay? What I have to do is I have to keep that existence moving toward God because Satan has also created an existence by taking the things that God created and twisting them and perverting them, and there's an existence that Satan owns that domain too. Right? You understand what I'm saying? We're choosing what we're going to be operating in. We're choosing how that's going to work. When everything becomes brought to light, it's going to be brought to light in the middle of my existence too. The second thing is that we've got to, we've got to know that hypocrisy will be revealed. Right? So Luke chapter 12, verse 1. Meanwhile, the crowds grew until thousands were milling about and stepping on each other. Jesus turned first to his disciples and warned them. Beware of the feast of the, of the yeast of the Pharisees, their, their hypocrisy. Now, this is, this is interesting to me because uh, Luke takes the time. Jesus, Jesus says this in the moment. Why did he say it right then? Luke takes the time to make sure we know the background, the setting of this, because it's important, I think, that all of these people, thousands of people are milling around and crushing in on Jesus and and all the people, and it says that there's so many people, people are stepping on each other. And Jesus is this, is, this is my pause. It doesn't say this, but I think this is what's happened. Jesus is looking across the, the crowds of people. Remember when uh, Jesus looks out over the city, over Jerusalem, and his heart was, was moved, his heart was broken, and he said that, that, um, that his heart was moved with compassion, and he said, these are, this, they're all sheep without a shepherd. So I think this is the same kind of thing going on here. That Jesus is seeing all of these people milling around, and, he's, and, and it's hurting his heart because they don't know God. And it's, it's, it's concerning him. And with all of these thousands of people, he sees a handful, let's say ten, I don't know, a dozen, um, that are Pharisees. And he knows that those, those ten Pharisees can spiritually affect all of those thousands of people. And that those thousands of people are being uh, manipulated and lied to because of the hypocrisy and the selfishness of the, the Pharisees, the brokenness, the evil of the Pharisees. But here's the difference, here's the key, is the Pharisees were saying, and they had a position that says, I'm representing God. But they are broken, and they're so broken that they don't know God they know about him, but they don't know God, and they're not serving him. And this is a general. There's some of the Pharisees were not bad guys. We know Nicodemus, for example. Okay? But, but, but they're representing God to the people, and the, the yeast of the Pharisees, or the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, was manipulating and, and corrupting an entire group of people, these thousands of people. And Jesus is looking at this, and he sees all of this at that moment. And here's something that I think, if we're not careful, we can get caught up in, even in our circumstances today, is that we assume that because there is a handful of, and I believe a fairly small handful of people, not like a dozen, but you know what I'm saying, of people in our country that are really trying to hurt and manipulate and destroy our country, it's not the people at large. It's not most of our country. 
Most of our country knows this stuff is not okay. Most of our country knows the, the election was corrupt. Most of our, even 40, almost 40% of all Democrats knew that the election was corrupt. So our country knows this stuff. There's, some, there's a handful of people that are doing things in our country. There's a handful of people that are trying to traffic children. It's not the people at large. Most of the people in your neighborhood aren't pedophiles. They, they're broken. They're sinful people, just like we all are. But they're not trafficking children across the world. That's a handful of people in, 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 in certain places of our country. D.C., Hollywood, places like that. Most of our country are people that really want to do the right thing. They don't always get there. And if you're not a Christian, you don't even always know for sure what it is. But he saw that. And, and you say, well, what about you know, half the country voted this way? Or half the, this is one of the things that I think is important for, for the, the church, the true church to really think about. Sometimes people don't know for sure how evil what they're voting for is. They don't always know that. I'll give you the example of abortion right now. If all you've ever known, if you have no Christian context, if all you've ever known is the world mentality, the idea of abortion may not be that bad to you. Because you may not even see it as murder. I've met people that really don't see a baby as a baby. They, they use terms like fetus, that mass, that whatever. We have, to be, we have to be, the church has got to be patient with people that may not totally know. Or, and here's the reality, they may know, but they don't have Jesus in their hearts to change their thinking enough. They may know, but ah, what does it really matter if that's all they've ever heard? Now, I know some of you are like, I've never heard you talk like this. Are you pro-abortion? No. Right? But you understand what I'm saying. There are people that are hurting and dying and going to hell. And if we're not careful, we're lumping them in with everybody else. We're lumping them in with the people that really are intentionally trying to hurt babies and intentionally trying to hurt people. It's not the same thing. And by the way, those people need to be saved too. We have the opportunity to, when Jesus looks across, he doesn't slam all these people of being um, um, ungodly people, although most of them were. But he picks on the leadership, and this is why it's important that we hold leadership accountable. He picks on the leadership and says, that's where the hypocrisy is coming from. That's where the problems are coming from. It's not the people at large. It's, it's the leadership. That's why when I see church leaders doing this kind of stuff, I'll draw that out every time and pick on it because that's not okay. They're sowing that yeast through the whole group. And people that don't have a clue are being pulled into darkness and they don't even know it. And because they're trusting leaders, aren't we? and humanity's like that. But it will be revealed. See, the time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed and all that is secret will be made known to all. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. Do you realize how he's now making this potentially very personal? Just you? Just me? Whatever you've said in the dark will be heard in the light, and whatever you whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the rooftops for all to hear. I, I texted Linda this last week. She's been gone. She was gone last weekend um, with the teenagers because that's her event. I, I had somebody ask me, why would she go with the teenagers? Did pastor's wives do that? No, pastor's wives don't, but district leaders that are in charge of the event do, <laughs> and that's what she is. 
She's a district leader in charge. Her and uh, this guy named Sean are in charge of this stuff. So she was gone again this week, and um, uh, which is why I'm thinning down. <clears throat> <laughs> but we were texting back and forth because somebody that she really respects, I respect a Christian leader in our country, um, put a bunch of stuff online about how they are pulling away from the, the church and the hard stances of the church when it comes to LGBT and, and abortion and stuff like that, and they're pulling away from that and separating themselves from the church some. And this is somebody she greatly, greatly respects. And, uh, and I texted her about this. I said, did you see this? Send a link to the article. And, you know, that's a discouraging thing. It's a discouraging thing when that happens because you, you want to say, why? why? Isn't Jesus' word good enough? Just stay with that. And so she, she said some things, I said some things. And then I was thinking about it. we've got to be careful. And guys, the reason I'm saying this is for all of us here. We've got to be careful that we don't cross lines and just begin to slam people. The church can't do that. It's not a, we, that's wrong. I, I, believe, I believe part of my responsibility as a pastor is to shine light when, when church leadership is not doing things that they're supposed to be doing scripturally. I believe that's part of my responsibility. Okay? But there's a difference between just getting up and slamming people. We've got to be careful. And you say, well, how do we know? Where is the line? I think you've got to listen to the Holy Spirit because I don't necessarily know where the line is per issue. But, but the Holy Spirit does. So he'll show you. Don't let it get into your heart. Don't let it become bitterness. Don't let it become anger. What should we do? We should do the same thing that Jesus did. Call it out. But the reason he was calling it out is because he was trying to get people to see, don't buy the lie. It was driven by his love and his compassion, not by some kind of getting even or, uh, or I'm going to point my finger at them kind of thing. We have to, we have to be careful of this. Because don't let anger get up in your heart for the things that we see going on in our country. Let righteous indignation, which is different than anger, Indignation that is built upon the holiness of God and who he is. There's a difference between that and saying, man, these people are just making me mad. Which, by the way, is where I'm at half the time. I'm, I'm struggling back and forth with this because I get frustrated. I get, I get frustrated when California is going to kick out a bunch of cops because they go to churches that believe that, that uh, sexual perversion is wrong. And we're just going to kick them to the curb. What about their retirements, their family, all this other stuff? We're just going to kick them to the curb. Instead of, instead of getting just angry about that, let me start praying. Not for the cops, but for the people making the decisions. Right? Because when God brings his light, everything is revealed. He said, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the rooftops. For all to hear. The last one, Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is our direction. Very first sentence, extremely important for us, verse 26. Don't be afraid of those who threaten you. Don't, don't be afraid of that. I've, I've, I've talked to many people. I just read a statistic this last week that of all mom and pop shops throughout the whole United States, that could be restaurants, like basically it's anybody that has a company that has under 50 employees. Any mom and pop shops throughout our country, over 60% of them are closed down or in bankruptcy and about to close down because of our government. Not, not, because, not because of a virus, but because of our government. And, and with that being happened, what, what do all these people do? 
What do they do next? Think, think about this. If, if right now you go into work tomorrow and your company tells you, oh, I'm sorry, we're closed down now. Bye-bye. What do you do with that? How, how, do, you, how do you fix that? Most, most every one of us in here might could survive about two months on what we got sent in the bank. Maybe. Most people, you, you realize that um, most of America lives 6% under what they, I mean, 6% over what they make, you right? You understand what I mean by that? Uh, your bills, your money's already gone when it hits the bank. That's what that means, right? So what do you do? Look at this again. This, this, this is what he's talking about in a, in a very much broader sense than what I just said. But don't be afraid of those who threaten you. Don't be afraid of the government. Don't be afraid. You say, well, what if they're shutting down my business? I get that, but you serve God and he's in charge of you. He's in charge of you, so hang in there serving God. Complete surrender and serving God. Not, not a little bit on the fence. You've got to be all in with God, because if you expect Him to, to take care of you, He's going to take care of you as much as you allow Him to be in charge of you. Okay? So get all in with God, and He's going to take care of all the stuff. For the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed. All that is secret will be made known to all. What I tell you now in the darkness, shout abroad when the daybreak comes. What I whisper in your ear, shout from the rooftops for all to hear. Do, do you realize the correlation between the, the, the world trying to hurt us, the world trying to harm us, threaten us, get, get us to not be who we're supposed to be? The direct correlation between that and saying, no, I'm going to declare God. See, we kind of stopped, the American church kind of stopped somewhere right before that. We say world persecution, government persecution. Okay, then God, get me to the point where I'm protected and comfortable again. Okay, then God says, all right, tell everybody what I'm doing. Um, God, how about we just leave it here? We just leave it at the, I'm better now. You see what I'm saying? But he says, no, declare it. Tell everybody what God is doing. Tell everybody when he's rescuing you. Tell them what he can do. Tell him his salvation. Tell him his gospel. Tell him what his blood can do. Because that's what lights do. And that's what we were created to be is light. Not, not kind of a, a, a dimmer bulb. Well, come on and just stay right there. Don't get too bright. People may see you. God created us to be this. He says, shout from the rooftops for all to hear. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Which, that doesn't mean that's his desire. You understand that? It means it's, it's, it's his, uh, he has that capability. And we should. This is why when I say that we should have the fear of God, I think it includes fear, fear too, not just reverence and respect. The church has tried to take that and say, no, it's all about reverence. It's all about respect. It doesn't mean fear like scared, but that's what the word means. It's all of that. So some of it is recognizing that God could destroy you with a blink of an eye and understanding that that's the God you serve, that he's really, really big, he's really powerful, he's really holy, he is purely just, and he expects us to follow him. Whether we like it or not, whether we agree with everything or not, he expects us to follow him. And the idea that we only respect and revere, okay, but, you, but there better be some... some um, some mind-sobering fear involved in that, too. It says, God, you're God, and I'm not going to play around with that. 
I'm not going to play around with who you are and your word. And, and here's even part of it is even our own physical lives. I'm not going to play around with this because God's given me this life. I didn't give me this life. God did. My parents didn't give me this life. God did. And he wants me to serve him with this existence. So my responsibility is to do that. Because why? I should be less concerned about a government that can put me in jail than a God that my eternity depends upon. I should be less concerned about a a, a financial system that could collapse tomorrow than I am a God that is in charge of my eternity. If you lost everything tomorrow, you you would still have Jesus. And so somehow, I don't know how, but you would make it. Because you have Jesus, and he's going to carry you. Look, look how he proves this. He says this to us. He says, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. This, this isn't about birds. You understand that? This is about you. He's telling you this. Sparrows are very, very cheap, but God knows every single sparrow. He knows every one of them. Think how many sparrows there are on the planet right now. And God knows every one of them. And I would go so far, even though it doesn't say this, I would go so far as to say they have names. For God, not for us. Right? And God knows every one of them. And he says here that... um, But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. The very hairs on your head are numbered. So here's the reality of this. God is trying to say in a very intimate way, he's very concerned about every single part of you. Every part of your existence, your life. Remember, he's the creator of your existence, not just you. He knows everything about you. And all the sparrows, he knows every one of them, but you are are much more important to him. This is part of the deal when people start saying that animals and humans are the same and all that. No, God cares so much more for you than he does your dog. Some of you are like, but I got a special dog. Mm. God, God is concerned way more with you, your soul, your existence. Right? I, I... it's, it's amazing how we can transpose that, though. And we begin to say, this is why evolution is such a big deal. Well, that, that dog evolved, and I evolved, so I'm the same as the dog. Except I didn't evolve. God created humans, separate than animals. That's why you've got to know, no, you are more important than the animals. You are more, I, every time I see those commercials, I don't think they're bad. I think people should be taking care of dogs and rescuing dogs. I get that. But those commercials that show all the hurting dogs and we're supposed to send all this money and do all this kind of stuff. I I thought about that again this week because the commercials are on all the time. I thought about it again this week. Try doing that with babies. Think about this. Who's going to let that fly? What, which one of the TV stations, which, who's going to say, yes, we're going to let that happen. You can't even say something slightly controversial on Facebook. You get shut down. Think about putting a a commercial on TV showing babies, babies being aborted, the brokenness, the torn flesh, all the stuff. Think about showing that same as the other commercial. Why? Because we are so twisted in our head. We are so twisted in understanding the sovereignty of God and his care for us as human beings and the sanctity of life. God created you and he cares about you. He's counted the hairs on your head. 
He knows every one of the hairs on your head. That's just one aspect. Just one aspect. God, he, he wants so much to be close to us. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. You're, you're more valuable to God than a than hundred dogs. You are valuable to God. And then, he, and then he goes right into the same place he gets it every single time. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, when he begins to talk about relationship and close to you and everything else, and then he says, don't you want to tell somebody about me? Don't you want somebody to know about me? I love you. Do you love me? Well, sure, God, I love you. So don't you want to tell somebody about me? If you really love me, if you really love me, I can't hardly, I can't hardly go anywhere that I don't talk about my grandkids. I can't help it. Sitting in the restaurant the other day and then, and on my phone, uh, I, you know, I was going to do the, the menu. I pick up my phone and come and the waitress said, oh, are those your kids? I was like, yeah, they're my kids. I'm 35. <clears throat> I said, no, those are my grandkids. Let me tell you about them. I have more pictures. <laughs> right? Guys, I, I just, I don't know, I don't know why we've allowed the church to convince us in today's society, in Christianity, America, to, to lock up what Jesus has done within our heart and don't share it. Because we're scared, embarrassed, whatever the case is. To lock it up. And it's the greatest thing ever. It's the greatest thing anybody's ever going to experience is the love of Christ and his forgiveness. All this stuff. Shouldn't we be sharing? He says, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny you before my Father in heaven. Why? Because if you don't want to be the bride of Christ, he won't introduce God to you that way. He won't introduce you to God that way. If you want to be his bride, and you're all in, being engaged to him, and being his bride on this earth, then when you step into heaven, he introduces you to God the Father as his bride. But if you don't care enough on this earth to live like a bride to the groom, then why should he celebrate you to God the Father as his bride? We, 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 we look at salvation so goofy here in America. He says... Don't imagine that I came to bring peace on the earth. Jesus didn't come to bring peace. He came to bring his righteousness. He came to bring his forgiveness. He came to bring his justice. He came to bring his truth. And there are going to be some people that rail against that. And if there are people that rail against his truth, you can't go along with it. You have to stand for who Jesus is. Right. He, there, God came to set his plan back in place through Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the, the second Adam that came to put this back in place and in order. And we've got to go with him, not with our own ideas, our own agendas. We've got to follow him. And that, and that means there's going to be times when you're going to stand be in, in um, opposition. Look at this. He said, he, came to, he didn't come to bring peace. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I've come to set a man against his father, daughter against his her mother, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. I have heard this so much since this time last year. How many, how many families are, are, are 
are at each other because some people believe in truth and some people don't. And both are, are having to take their stand. Now, here's a way. If you want to get along with everybody, just go wherever they're going. Whatever direction that is, just go with them and you'll be fine. You'll get along. We've been doing, the, the conservatives in our country have been doing that for a long time. The church has been doing that in our country for a long time. Instead of saying, wait, that's not okay. I'm not going to let you do that to our country. I'm not going to let you do that to the church. I'm not going to let you do that to my family. We, all the new stimuluses are out, right? Guys, I know, I know this makes, it's just like, pastor, say something positive. Here's the deal. You're going to be paying for that stimulus for decades. And, you, and, you, and we go, oh, I get my extra money. I'm on all my Jeep forms, right? Everybody on the Jeep forms, oh, this is my lift kit. All this, and I get that. I'm going to spend my money too, although I don't get very much. But uh, I, Linda told me she gets $2,800 and I get $400. I don't know how, how that works, but I need, to, I need to go online and check this out. But I mean, I'm going to spend, I'm going to do all the stuff. I get that. But we're going to be paying for that for decades and decades. In fact, I don't think we'll ever pay it off, actually. I think, we have, I think it's too deep now. We're never going to pay back that $2,800 or, or whatever. I don't actually know what it is. But think about this. Guys, we, we get confused by stuff, and we just go with whatever. We just go along. We just, when do we stand and say no? As a church, we've got to start doing this more. Stand up and say no. These are little babies, and you can't do this. We have to start doing this. He says, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. I've seen people choose family members. You ever seen that? I mean, saying over God. Choose family over God. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. What's the cross? It's where you die. If you cling to your life, you'll lose it. You can, God's created this big thing, and right in the middle of it, we've carved out this little existence, our life, and we hold on to that so much and so strong, where if anything begins to attack that, we will fight, including God's word. If it begins to attack our worldview and our thought process, we'll fight. And he says, if you fight for your life over God, you're going to lose everything in the process. Instead of saying, God, I'm trusting you. I'm going to fight for you and your word and your kingdom. Even if that means I go through difficult things and struggle. Even if it means I have uncomfortableness in my spirit. I'm going to follow you because you're the one that's in charge. Uncomfortableness in life, uncomfortableness in family. There's going to be those things, guys. You can't get away from it. But that's why we stand on God's word and his word completely. Why don't you stand with me? <clears throat> So what do we do with this? I know what I'm doing with it. I don't know for sure to tell you what, how you've got to deal with this. But I do know this. We've got to all go here. We've got to all process this. God, is there anything? Is there anything in my life right now that should be light and I'm letting it be dark? Or is there ways that I'm not letting my light shine? Um, is, there, is there things getting in my heart? my mind, my spirit, all the different things. I mean, you've got to figure out the road you've got to go down with this. But here's what I do know. The Holy Spirit has a plan specifically for you. 
And he wants you to work through specific things. So you've got to talk to him. Lord, what about this? What about this? Am I, am I just trying to um, get along to go along? However you say that. Am I, am, I, am I compromising because I'm more worried about what people think? Or am I letting my light shine? If, it doesn't mean being a jerk. Letting your life shine is not being a jerk. But to really say, Lord, I need to let people know that you've got a plan. And I've got to stand for holiness. I've got to stand for righteousness. You've got to figure out where you go with that. So I'm going to pray for us. And I would, I would say part of your praying is, Lord, how do I do? Not just what do I do, but how do I do it? I'm going to take a stand. Okay, but how? I'm going to let my light shine. Okay, but how? And he'll show you the how, what you need to do. Okay? Let's pray. God, we just submit ourselves. We submit our lives and our hearts. We submit our, our bodies. We submit our families to you. Lord, we submit our finances, our jobs. Lord, we submit it to you. Lord, we submit this church to you. That you're the one that's in charge. That you're the king. Lord, we surrender. We just surrender to you. God, if there's anything that I'm holding on to, any part of my existence that I'm holding on to, to a detriment of my relationship with you, Lord, I ask you to show me. Just reveal that. Lord, I want to be forgiven. I want to be covered with the blood of Jesus. That's my priority, and I don't want anything else to hinder that. Lord, I, I pray all across this room that we will we won't let all the junk that's happening get into bitterness in our heart. God, I can't control, I can't control the, the church in America, but I can control my heart. Lord, I ask you to just wash me clean, forgive me. Help me to be who you want me to be in Jesus' name. Help me to be who you want me to be. Forgive me when I mess up. Give me wisdom and understanding, Lord, I'll listen to you. I'll listen to your word and I'll listen to your spirit because I want deeper understanding. In Jesus' name. God, and I pray through all turmoil and through all the stuff that's going on, the, the church starting to separate and starting to fight against each other. Lord, I ask you to help us to be people of peace and people of grace. We won't, we won't do all that stuff. In Jesus' name. God, make us. Make us who you desire. Make church of our, for our gate what you desire in Jesus' name. Make us your people because we're following you. We're submitted to you. We're surrendered to you. And Lord, I pray for everyone of us here that we will take the responsibility for the kingdom of God. That our little area of influence, Lord, that we'll do everything we can to build the kingdom. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. So do something with this. 
and I say this almost every week, but guys, don't ever just get in a habit of just hearing something and then going home and feeling something, but not doing something. Get in the habit of doing something. Um, that, that, that that's a regular kind of thing going on. So before noon tomorrow, we'll be buried in snow. I've heard that on good, good report. Um, before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you a chance to let somebody know Jesus loves them. Be the best you can. Tell somebody about Jesus, and God will honor that in your life. It's a guarantee. So shake somebody's hand. Tell them how glad you are that they're here. And uh, we will see you tonight, or we will see you Wednesday night.